than past Easter, right? Okay. If you have one of the Lenten books and you didn't go past Easter, there's a whole week left. It was really a great week, and I just want to encourage you to, to maybe go back and do it this week. There's nothing, you know, that says you can't do. You can leave them on, Caitlin. It's all good. That you can't, uh, you can't continue to do that. So I just want to remind you of that if, if uh, you have one of those books. Take note of that. Uh, we are glad that you're here today. I don't know about you, but I needed the first part of this past week where the weather warmed up and it was nice. It was just... Oh, I was like, here we go, right? It's, it's coming. I, I know in about a month I'll be saying, wow, I wish we could have a 50-degree day like today, uh, but uh, here we go, right? Uh, as a church, uh, our mission is to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. Uh, we, in everything we do, we, we strive to direct people back to Jesus. Uh, we do that as we take the life of Jesus as our pattern for life, and we prioritize being together. We, we gather together in, in worship, in small groups, in Bible studies, and in, in having coffee together and doing those types of things. We hear and respond to the word of God. We open his word. We read devotionals. We are directed toward uh, what God would have us to learn and to grow and to change and to become more and more like him. We strive to be a tangible presence of grace in our communities and in our world uh, through various things that we try to do. And we're going to talk about that at the very end of the service uh, in a little more detail today. Uh, but in all these things we do, we want to direct people back toward Jesus. And, and we hope that uh, as a result of being here, you fall more in love with Jesus and that you are walking closely with him. Uh, as we kick off a new series today, uh, in this series, our goal is to take a healthy look at some of the things we struggle with in our life. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at such exciting topics as anger and greed and worry and our thoughts and doubt and those types of things. Today, we kick off the series by taking a healthy look at envy. Everybody excited? Right? All right, here we go. So grab your Bible, uh, open a Bible, PCC app, your Bible app, whatever it takes to get to James chapter 3. If you're reaching for a blue Bible that should be in the row in front of you, James chapter 3 will be on or around page 855. Uh, this series really has the potential to challenge us as individuals and as a community of believers because it, it addresses some of the things with which we struggle, but we don't like to talk about, but we don't really like to admit, but they're probably probably holding us back in our relationship with God and with each other. You see, one of the things that we believe is regardless of where you are in your walk, in your faith, God wants to meet you right where you are and then help you take the next step in your faith. Um, and, and whether you're a, a longtime believer, or if this is your first time in church or anywhere in between, God, through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, they want to invade your life and cause you to desire to change and to become more like Jesus, to grow in your faith. And so for all of us, uh, I believe it's good for us to take a healthy look at some of the things that may be holding us back. James 3 uh, gives us some direction as we tackle this topic of envy. And while we're gonna be in lots of different texts this morning, I want to jump in right here in James chapter three. We're gonna begin with verse 13, with what James writes in the text. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. I wanna read verse 16 again. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Put that 
back in your brain as we walk through the rest of this this morning and as we get ready to do that. Let's pray together uh, about this. God, we, we come before you uh, this morning and God, I pray that you would help us to open our, our hearts and our minds and to hear what you would have us to hear and that we would respond the way you want us to respond and, and we would become, become more like you. I thank you for this opportunity to be together uh, I pray that you would fill us with your presence, help us to, to experience your grace, let us be uh, united with you. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray, amen. Um, envy uh, is believed to be a really big problem in society, a really big problem in life, uh, a big problem for believers and non-believers, but often we don't want to talk about it. So if we start by simply defining what it is, we, we see that envy is the feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, quality, or luck. Other words that we use uh, in a similar fashion, jealousy, covetousness, that's a word I struggle saying, so I'm going to say covet from here on out, uh, resentment, bitterness, uh, being discontent, and the green-eyed monster, as it's been called. In fact, Shakespeare dubbed envy the green-eyed monster, which doth mock the meat it feeds on, right? There's also an old proverb that says, a person who is green with envy will be ripe for trouble, kind of like those, right? It, it paints it in a, in a good light, or a, in a correct light, I should say. Envy uh, is about seeing someone else's advantages in life and looking at what you do not have as compared to them. Envy is part of a triangle of words that typically go together. Envy, jealousy, and covet, right? Uh, all three of these are similar, but they have different aspects in some respects. Envy is this idea of desiring what someone else has. It could be a physical item or an ability. Envy is often said to make you resentful of other people. Jealousy is not wanting someone else to have what you have. Jealousy is said to make you territorial, protective. Uh, to covet is to want what someone else has. That's a physical item or a person. And if you know your Ten Commandments, the Tenth Commandment is what? Do not covet. And what are you not to covet? Well, there's a few things in there you're not supposed to covet, right? But the idea is do not covet. All of these things deal with how we view ourselves and how we view each other. Uh, we can trace this idea of envy all the way back to Genesis in the account of Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Adam and Eve, uh, they wanted what they did not have. So they ate of the fruit because they wanted to be like God. They had envy. We see envy throughout the scriptures. It shows up in the account of Cain and Abel. Cain saw that Abel's sacrifice was more pleasing to the Lord, and he was envious of his brother, so he killed him. Uh, Joseph was taken by his brothers, thrown into a pit. They faked his death in order to fool their father. They sold him into slavery, all because they were envious of his dreams and the relationship he had with his father, and it must have been one really nice coat, right? They were envious of him. Miriam and Aaron were envious of Moses and spoke out against him to the assembly, to all the people, and to God. Saul struggled with envy. This is an interesting one. If you think about Saul, he was King Saul. He was king of Israel. He was powerful. He commanded all the armies of the nation of Israel. He had all the pleasures and luxuries of life, and they were all incredible. People wanted to be him, and yet he was envious. If you know the story of Saul, there was this teenage boy by the name of David, 
and he gave him a high rank in his uh, army. He kind of had to after David defeated uh, Goliath and saved the lives of so many people. As the years go by, David's reputation as a military leader grows, and as his accomplishments increase, so does Saul's envy. After one such successful military victory, the people began singing songs that said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul became aware that David was more popular, popular than he was, and as a result, envy filled his heart. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy can cause us to think and believe that what another person has or is able to do or able to accomplish is always larger, better, deeper, more special than anything I ever have or can do. Envy is listed as one of the seven deadly sins. One writer said about envy, of the seven, envy is probably the meanest, nastiest, and most vicious. First Peter chapter two, verse one, encourages us to rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Lots of other scriptures, such as Solomon's eight, Solomon 8, 6, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, Philippians 2, 3, Psalm 37, 1 through 3, all which address the dangers of envy, and there's more if you wanna go in the scriptures and find it, right? This is addressed often in scriptures. It's also addressed in life. So how do we know whether or not we struggle with it? Well, uh, I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt and let you answer two questions and to see whether or not you struggle with envy, okay? First question, do I want, okay? That's the most general way I could figure out how to say it. Do I want? Now, this desire or this want expresses itself in some interesting ways, in ways maybe you don't think about. It could show up in the way you are critical of other people, Think about your relationships and how you view other people for just a moment. Do you find that you speak ill of someone or find fault in what they say or what they do simply because of the way they say or do it? Man, it's quiet in here. All of this is, is from this thought, whether it's subconscious or whether it's intentional, that when you don't have what something, what, when you don't have something that someone else have has you wonder, now why don't I have that? Or it could be that you secretly find pleasure when someone else fails or suffers a setback. Hmm. Now, here's what I would propose. If you're not feeling just a little bit uneasy or a little bit convicted this morning, then you're probably not really listening, okay? Um, because here's the deal. We could talk about hypotheticals and we could talk about how this might play out, but if we're really gonna be honest and take a healthy look at this topic, then we've gotta be honest with ourselves, we've gotta be transparent, and as I say often, I preach to myself and I invite you to listen, so here it goes, okay? Now, I don't want to crush your view of me or other pastors, okay? So if this is gonna hinder your walk, then just kinda do this for the next 30 seconds, but you know, la, 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 all right? Um, I would love to be able to stand up here this morning and say, you know what, this is something that I used to deal with, I used to struggle with, but I've dealt with it and I'm over it and I'm spiritually mature and I've got this all figured out so you can come to me and get all your godly advice because I am you know, free of envy. But that would not be true, right? That would not be truthful. So 
uh, here's what I have found. As I was thinking about this over the last several weeks, um, I I found that I still struggle with envy. And and the reality is, I find that I envy many of you, okay? And that's due for a variety of reasons. The places you go, the cars you drive, if you decide to show up late on Sunday morning or just sleep in and skip it all together, it's no big deal, right? When that Sunday steamroller's coming, that's what we call it in, you know, because Sunday's coming, whether, you know, Easter, it, Sunday's still here, right? That Sunday steamroller's coming, and, and there's times I just want to go, can we just go like from Saturday to Monday? Can we just skip a day? And you do, right? And I, we all need time out, yeah, anyway. But you see what I'm saying? It'd be nice just to unplug and just not, right? It'd be nice to have that freedom. Uh, I envy bigger churches, and I wonder why we haven't grown like they have. I envy better pastors, and I wonder why I don't have those gifts. I envy those preachers who can take the text and make it come alive, and I wonder, now, why didn't I see that, right? Why don't I have that ability? And I know I'm not alone, because I talk to other pastors and other people like that. And you may be sitting there going, yeah, but you don't envy those pastoral gifts or biblical exegesis and things like that, but I would guess that for you, it, it may be such things as this. You may say, I really wish I had that car or that house. I wish I could take that vacation. I wish I could play ball or play an instrument or sing like that person. I, I wish I was as handsome or as pretty or as intelligent or as gifted or whatever as him or her. All of us, I believe, struggle with envy, even if it's in different categories. The key is this. We only envy that which we value. Think about that for a second. We only envy that which we value. If you don't value it, you probably don't envy it. You you probably don't struggle with it. So you have to determine, what do I really value? What's important to me? For instance, for me, I am not envious of anyone who can do gymnastics or ballet or ice skate. (laughs) I'm just not. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. I've just never had the desire to want to do any of those things. So that's an easy one for me. Put that in the I'm good category, right? But there are are other things. Uh, I envy Doug and Greg's ability to play golf. I would love to be able to strike the ball the way they do. I'm envious of Lane's ability to run marathons year after year after year. Uh, I'm envious of Ben's wardrobe. When he shows up sometimes, I'm just like, dang, I wish I looked that sharp, right? (laughs) I'm envious of George's ability to play bass. I'm envious of Henry's Google document, documents acumen, right? You're just good at that stuff, right? I'm not, and I envy those things. I, I find myself struggling with those things. And you may be sitting there going, oh my goodness, what's wrong with you? Envy, that's what's wrong with me. And I would guess that's what's wrong with you as well, right? We all struggle with this. We all envy different things. And at some point, we have to ask ourselves, what do I truly value? And that answer is going to reveal to you what you probably envy. We wrestle with this, even if we're not aware of it. So do you want? Second question, do I compare? That's the second question to ask ourselves. And I, and I can answer that for you. Yes, you do. You do compare, to which the pushback is probably something like this. Well, well, not as much as other people, right? (laughs) 
See what we did there, right? Okay, so we all struggle with this in some point uh, in form or fashion of comparing ourselves to others. We're not satisfied with our own spouse or car or job or house, career, income, hair, landscaping, grill, computer, phone, sunglasses, wardrobe, children, education, faith, abilities, and so many other things, right? We compare that to someone else. And when you compare, and I say this often, one of two things happens. You either feel better about yourself or you feel worse about yourself. It all depends on to whom you are comparing because you can always find someone relative to your position that's here or here, higher or lower, better or worse than where you are. It's just the way it is. One devotion on the subject of comparing stated this, often we exaggerate the blessings of others and we discount our own. It's funny how, how we do this. Um, sometimes people who are single envy people who are married. People without kids envy those people who have kids. All the while, people with kids envy the free time of people without kids, and people who are married sometimes envy the freedom that single people have, right? It's just one of those, the way it works. We compare ourselves. We, can, we compare our guitar abilities to Zach's guitar abilities, our shower singing to Caitlin's singing, our ability, or your ability to talk in front of people to my ability to talk in front of people. And maybe you're like, yeah, I could do it much better, right? <laughs> We're comparing. We, we do it all the time. And what's funny is our world, our world encourages this. According to Quora.com, advertising is a $250 billion a year industry in advertising, And it's all designed to convince us that we need something we didn't even know existed or that we wanted, all because someone else has it and clearly their life is better than yours. Gordon MacDonald, in his book, The Heart of an Artist, said, the soul cannot be healthy when one compares itself with others. The soul dies a little bit every time it is involved in a lifestyle that competes. It gives way to the destructive forces of envy. So do you compare? Now, if you answered yes to either one of those questions, that's just the tip of the iceberg of our struggle. It really is. We just kind of scratched the surface because to realize that we truly do struggle with envy, we really need to, to look at what that does to us. And since we struggle, what, what's the effect? And the results of it are pretty significant. One thing that uh, envy does is that it draws us away from God. One result is it draws you away from God. Jesus asked a group of the Jewish leaders who were upset with him over what he was saying and doing in John chapter five, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? They were more concerned about what people thought than what God thought. Envy draws you away from God and it causes us to look for praise and affirmation from other people rather than from God. As a result, it hinders our spiritual growth. Paul said this to the believers in Corinth, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy, and that can also be translated as envy, and quarreling among you, you are, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? The, the point is envy draws us away from God and it keeps us spiritually immature in the kingdom. Uh, another result is it, it just simply makes you miserable. 
Envy just makes us miserable. It has an emotional effect on us. We get sad. It impacts our life. Our feelings change. Uh, Again, uh, Proverbs 14.30, I think, states this really well. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. The reality is that all sin will make you miserable eventually, but envy is miserable right from the start. Most other sins have some sort of gratification at the beginning, right? Which is why we're tempted to engage within them. But, but not envy. Envy is kind of unique in that. It creates misery from the very beginning all the way to the end. And when we envy, we fail to praise God for the good in others, and we fail to be thankful for our own blessings. Envy does a really good job at stealing our joy, Other results, and I've kind of mentioned them as well, but it cripples our respect for authority. It hinders our spiritual growth. We admire the ungodly. We wish ill on other people. It destroys ourself. It destroys community and so many more things. Ultimately, envy denies one's own self-worth and uniqueness in the way God created you. The creator God longs for you to be truly content with the way he designed you with what he chose and is choosing to give you. He wants you to be content with that. So, so what do we do about it? If you have found yourself struggling with envy at all and being convicted of that, what do we do about it? How do we address this problem of envy? Well, the first thing is we need to confess it. We just need to confess it. And that's, that's simple but not always easy. We are called in Scripture to confess our sins, and this one is no different. Uh, remember what James chapter 3, verse 14 said when we read it earlier? It said, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Don't deny it. Confess it. And when you confess it to the Lord, receive his forgiveness through Jesus and, and acknowledge it and then receive his grace. Second thing that we can do, we need to learn to be content. Paul said this in Philippians 4.12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read Paul say some of these things, I'm like, well, that's great for you, Paul, but obviously you're not me, right? I, I, I didn't get to see Jesus the way you did. And so, you know, we, we compare and say, well, that doesn't really apply to us, but, but it does. Even though it's a struggle for us, we still need to learn how to be content True contentment comes when, when we really become thankful for who we are and thankful for what we have. Contentment and thankfulness, they go hand in hand, and they go a long way in helping us to combat envy in our lives. Uh, one of the things to realize is that God puts you where you are and gave you the gifts that you have for a reason, When we accept who we are in Christ, instead of trying and wanting and desiring to be someone else, we have the ability to leave envy behind and lean into all those good things that God has in store for us because he created us to be who we are and where we are with what we have. Commentator R.T. Kendall says, when I'm envious of those who are successful, admired, lightly used, elevated, promoted rather than me and more popular, I'm really angry with God. I don't know if that hits you the way it hit me. 
The challenge is that when we are envious of someone, we need to realize it's really not about that other person. Your argument is really with God because what you're saying is, God, you didn't do it right. To conquer our struggle with envy, we need to be content. We also need to love well. We need to love God and we need to love others well. Scripture speaks to this often. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 describes love this way. Love is patient, and I know you've heard this before. Love is kind. It does not, man, we run right over that though, don't we? We don't think about that when it comes to love, but love does not envy. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. When we love God well, and when we love others well, we really have no room left for envy. Love looks for the good in the other person, and it rejoices when they experience good things rather than being envious that we don't have it. Love causes us to be happy for someone else's promotion, for their acceptance letter, for their job, for their opportunity, for their success, for their whatever. Love is the fruit It's the first in the fruit of the spirit that is listed. We are called to love and to love well. And as we strive to take the life of Jesus as our pattern for life, what do we see Jesus that he did well? He loved really well. He called people out and said, I want you to treat people with love. And it doesn't mean they, we don't call them to, to change and invite them to experience and discover his love and really be molded by who he is. But it starts with loving people. It starts with, with showing them that God loves us and we love them and we love God. And it's, it's overcoming this envy by loving and by loving well. It's surrendering our life. It's surrendering our desires. It's surrendering our comparisons. It's surrendering everything to him and making him Lord of our life. In just a few moments, we're gonna have a time of response this morning. And I don't know how this topic hits you. You may be just glad I'm done at this point, right? But envy is something that we all struggle with. I believe we all struggle with that. And this morning, maybe for you, it's time to confess that. And maybe that's where it begins for you, to confess that, yes, in fact, I do struggle with that, and you can ask God to forgive you and to ask him to begin healing your heart. Maybe for you, you would love someone to pray with you, to to pray that, that you will be content and thankful for all that God has done and is doing and will continue to do in your life. Or maybe you need prayer to to love other people well, to love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, to love others also. Maybe maybe it's to join a group of believers who realize that this life and what we're called to is not always easy, but we don't have to go through it alone. We can take a healthy look at the things that we struggle with and know that he is with us is greater than the one that is against us. And there is victory because of Jesus. It's what we celebrated last week. It's what we celebrate every day, that we have life because he has given us life. Let's pray together. God, 